This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Howdy doody. Welcome to Project. I, did you like that, Ogan? Welcome to Project Sanctus uh, <laughs> podcast with love, justice, and liberation for all. Or actually, I should say with love and justice for all. Um, I'm having a, uh, apparently got, having you, quite a bit of brain cloud trying to get started here. You got too cute with the greetings. That's what happened. You no, just, you, I know, you know, but I just once in my life, I wanted to be cute. <laughs> Listen, you're cute all the time. You didn't have to try that hard. Why are you trying oh, that hard? Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Well, now, now I know I'm cute all the time. So uh, so let's try it again. Welcome to uh, With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where all cute people go. Um, there you go. There you go. Yeah. See, like that. I'm Reverend Kelly Isla, and I am uh, actually uh, physically where I am is what's now known as Kansas City, Missouri area, but it's the, the land of the indigenous lands of the Kaskaskia, the Osage, the Choctaw, Missouri indigenous nation. So I want to give a, a land acknowledgement um, at the beginning. And I'm here with my partner in crime and consciousness, Reverend Ogan Holder. How are you? I am well. I'm keeping my greetings simple and <laughs> not getting fancy so I don't trip over myself. Thank you well, for paving, paving the way. <laughs> yes. Let Kelly make the mistakes. I'll just come in and save it all because we need that. Just leading by example. That's all. It's good. That's what, that's what heroes do. <sighs> okay. Well, I'll try to keep that in mind. Um, I'll try to pay attention and be more obedient and simple. Um, but I'm still going to try to be cute. I don't recall saying any of that, but but it's okay. Um, hi, yes, I'm I'm doing well. I'm here in the Metro DC area on on the uh, land formerly formerly inhabited by the Piscataway peoples and subsequently stolen from them. Yay, colonization! Oh. Well, that's what we're here for to support our world in decolonizing. It's one of one of the, the work of embodied anti-racism. And that's our podcast is where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, dismantling patriarchy, you know, oppression in all its forms, um, fostering liberation, and especially the challenges that arise uh, in the areas of spirituality or religion you know, as spiritual seekers, whether as individuals or spiritual communities. Before we launch into today's topic, which is um, we're going to tackle some of the, what are called the clobber uh, scriptures that um, attack homosexuality. And we're going to unpack those and kind of look at them like, yeah, not, don't, you know, probably don't believe what you're reading. And here's why. So we're going to we're going to tackle that as we as Pride Month comes to a close. But before we get started, want to thank our listeners and our subscribers that are all across the United States of America, almost every all of the 50 states and um, more than 24 countries around the world. And there's whether uh, in Europe, in um, Central America, in um, Africa, I think we've covered most. I think we've managed to get almost every continent except Antarctica. So That's true. If, I know. I just realized that as I was saying it. See, sometimes it pays to be cute. Um, there you go. There you go. So shout out to those of you who may know somebody in Antarctica. Tell them listen. Right. That's right. And if you want to join the conversation, 
uh, live. We do live stream to Facebook uh, on our Facebook page. And um, you can also uh, also then listen to the podcast at your own convenience on any any podcast um, format or or um, losing the word platform, platform podcast platform. platform. Yes, there you go. But you can find us, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram uh, using our handle at Get Our Holy On. You can also call and leave a message. We have a phone 413-438-4659. Or you can just type 413 get holy. Um, before we jump in, um, just a reminder that we have our twice a month affinity groups, first and third Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. We come together. We have, um, it's a safe space to discuss pretty much anything, but we really structure the conversations about um, getting to know ourselves as racialized beings, um, talking about ways to decolonize, all the things like that. The first Wednesday, we do it in a, in a I guess, a mixed racial group, the communal group. And then on the third Wednesday, we separate the white bodies from everyone else. And um, the next, our next gathering will be the 5th of July. I think that's the first Wednesday um, of next month. So you can go to projectsanctus.com and find more information about that. You have to register to get the Zoom link. It is free. And also coming up starting soon is our 846 book club book study. We are pretty stoked about this. It is the book called This Hair Flesh by the author Cole Arthur Riley. It is, she is uh, just an amazing storyteller. And these are essays that are basic or stories rather not essays. They're stories from her childhood, from her grandmother's, from her father's life that really speak to both struggle and liberation and through the lens of spirituality and, and Christianity, um, black liberation theology. So um, it's gonna, it's beautiful. It is a, it's a beautiful work. Um, as I'm, as I'm wrapping up reading it, like I'm reading and highlighting passages and just going like, oh, fuck, that's so good. You know, that sort of deal. So, um, so I highly, I highly recommend you get this book. We will be doing it uh, Thursdays from July 13th to August 10, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Zoom. So you can jump in wherever you are in the world. You don't have to attend every single gathering. Do the ones that uh, can work for you. Um, and our Black-owned bookstore partner, Bliss Books and Wine, they have got it up on their website, and you can get it for a 10% discount using the code 846BOOK, 846-B-O-O-K, from Bliss Books and Wine. Uh, wine. No, there's no D on that. Wine. Bliss Books and Wine. There are, <laughs> unless you've had a lot. Unless you've had a lot, uh, which, I, which I haven't. But we do know that when we purchase our products from black owned businesses. We are helping create a world of racial economic equity. Um, and they're, <clears throat> they're good people. It's a bookstore founded by two sisters uh, in, in the Kansas City area. And they'll ship the book wherever, wherever you are. So um, if you still read physical books and they also have eBooks, I have to remember yes, that they, 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 also, they also do eBooks as well. Yeah. Um, so please visit projectsanctus.com, sign up for the book club, buy your book, start reading, it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful work, um, yeah. and um, I did mention it was free. The affinity groups are free, and we are also. But we do grateful. take donations. I was going to say we are grateful for your donations, yeah. <laughs> uh, as well to help keep the ship running. You can also donate on the website, um, and for those of you who donate more than twenty five dollars a month, we got some we got some extra extra goodies for you um, as a as a thank you for that consistent given um, as well. As they say back in the old church days, the consistent given or reoccurring donor. I guess that's a more secular terminology. I don't know. Anyways. Regular, regular donators, regular givers. Yeah. So as Kelly said, we're we're gonna have a discussion. We 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 sometimes I forget we are ordained ministers and we know some Bible yeah. shit. So we're gonna we're, we're going to be diving into for um, as part of our Pride Month um, episodes, we're going to be diving into these Bible passages, what we call the 
you know, uh, Kelly referred to them and many people refer to them, the clobber verses. Like in the whole of the Bible, there's maybe like seven verses that are purported to be speaking out against homosexuality. We're going we're gonna to address those um, and share why they're not as literal as some people would want to make them. But before we do that, um, I never thought again I'd say this. Supreme Court is kind of actually coming through with yeah. some decisions I can get behind. Um, not the whole, uh, what is it, the water runoff thing that was proposed. They're going to break the environment regardless. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But but um, they are they reject. The, and these are decisions that um, we are recording, what, Wednesday, June 27th. Some of these came down today. Tuesday. Some of them. Tuesday. Um, Tuesday, sorry. Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. Some of them came down today, some yesterday. Um, um, the Supreme Court, they won't, they won't hear a case um, from a, a charter school trying to um, force girls to wear skirts and boys to wear pants. Um, so more of that gender normative costuming. They're like, yeah, we're not even going to, and you're not going to waste our time on that. So a good for them. Um, and, and two, two election related things that are good. Um, they, they're forcing Louisiana to redraw some of their congressional maps or or say that um, because there was this one district that was like 27% black population and they're like could only have one seat in, in their house and um, or they could only elect one person from this district that was 27% um, black folk but then you know I forget how many seats were up for grabs there but but they they couldn't get more than that anyways um because of gerrymandering so yeah. spring course like yeah no that's not okay um and then they rejected this bid by um states to want to have carte blanche unchecked power over um election laws and regulations so basically they could do whatever they want and why that's important is because remember when they were trying to overturn the 2020 election, there were states that would do all sorts of shady shit, including like come up with an alternate slate of electors, which would basically ratify the election. So they were going to come up with this alternate state and say state of electors and basically say, you know, what? we decide that we want Trump to have won regardless of what people voted. And right. we're going to do that. So they were trying to change laws in states to make that quote unquote legal and Supreme Court was like, nope, yeah, y'all don't, y'all don't get to do the fuckery. Um, we, you, you clearly still need oversight. Um, shout out to John Roberts, who in 2012 decided, yeah, we can gut big parts of the, you know, uh, the, what is it, the Civil Rights Act re related yep. to elections and voting because we are post-racial now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, not so much, John, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I, so yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, um, you know, between last night, yesterday and this morning, I'm like, hey, we need to talk about the good news too. Yeah. Tip, tip of the um, hat to the Supreme Court. And granted, I mean, granted, again, it's not one job. But okay, let's, let's not, let's not, let's not uh, label them as our heroes that we've been looking for. No, no, no. No. But, no. but also like, yes. Good, good for you guys actually following some common sense letters of the law here. Um, yeah, let's not go overboard well. though. Yeah, no, we're not. I'm, we're a, not. I'm a wait and see kind of gal. I'm like, okay. And and I and surprised by, you know, who's like that, uh, the last decision you were talking about was 6-3. And yeah. there's been so many that have been, you know, I mean, there's only nine of them, but that's a, a big, um, gap when there's so many that have been like the five, four, you know, or four or five, you know, the just one yeah. person off. So um, that makes me a little hopeful. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I won't get my hope all the way up. Just, no. I'll just a I little, do that. A little turgid in my hope. How's about that? <laughs> <laughs> but not all the way up. All right. Let's, so let's on that on. hope note, let's look at the clobber <laughs> passages in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, let's. And again, again, want to reiterate, in the whole Bible, the whole yeah. Bible, 
there's only about seven verses that speak to this. And one of the things we have to remember is that the word homosexuality did not appear in the Bible until 1963, was it? I think it was in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. You could have had that uh, in the notes. Yeah. Okay, we're not um, that great Bible scholars. Well, there's Thank a lot you. of there's a lot of other things. There's a lot of other tidbits and trivia I'll remember, but that one isn't. Well, and the word, the idea of homosexuality didn't actually even exist in the culture the way that we know it today, you know, the way that we define it today, the way that we talk about it. There wasn't um, um, I gotta jump in and and self-correct myself. 1946. Okay. Yes. Well, you said when... 64. You were close, right? Just I was close. I, a couple of numbers. I, I reversed the numbers. Right. It was 1946 in, in a translation. Um, and that shifted a whole lot because, yeah, that because today when I hear, um, you know, anti LGBTQ Christians quote the Bible, they will say homosexuality is wrong because the Bible says homosexuality is wrong. Bible wasn't saying that using the word homosexuality till 1946, as in, right. as in, you know, less than a hundred years ago. So right. what was it saying before then? Right. And it's, it's fascinating how just the, 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 the retranslating of that one word has shifted the rhetoric and, and, and now the Bible really being used to weaponize um, against LGBTQ folk, probably more than it did more than a hundred years ago, but yes, I wasn't, I wasn't around, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I wasn't around either. Um, the other, the other um, thing about it is that, uh, so there, there's that piece and there are, um, you know, multiple versions of the Bible in English, never mind other languages. Um, but there's, there's over 60 different versions of the Bible or translations, I should say. And, but their versions of the Bible, you know, for instance, we have, um, you know, most people are familiar with the King James version. There's the American standard version. There's the Darby translation. There's the, you know, evangelical heritage version. There's the 1599 Geneva Bible. There's the new revised standard version. There's, you know, on and on and on the tree of life version the Young's Literal Translation, the Orthodox Jewish Bible. Uh, so there's, and many people are familiar with the New International Version, um, the Catholic Bible. So uh, all the, and all these different versions are really different translations. So my, my uh, shout out to my favorite version, the Message Bible. Oh Cause, yeah. Because <laughs> it is it is rewritten in like contemporary English language. I can mean really contemporary English language. It is hilarious. It is. And, you know, and I know a lot of people that really like that, that translation. The challenge is, is a whole lot gets lost in trying to make it, you know, um, there's a whole lot of interpretation that goes on. Um, because you're getting more and more with every version, you know, every translation, you're getting another, you run the risk of getting another step further away from original content. Not like we are already, but you know what I mean? You, you say, you say things get lost. I, I say things get more entertaining. Which well, they are entertaining there. I'm not denying that. It's mm. just, if we have, if we, you know, if there is to be any hope of actually, you know, uh, not like we can ever know exactly what the writer, you know, cause we weren't there, but the further away, the more, the more. No, hold on, hold on. You just said a huge thing there and you're just like, you just like dropped, you just dropped the thing there and you just like moving on. Well, which that's is what sort I do. Of the crux of the whole discussion here, right? We don't know what was in the minds of the writers at the time. We right. don't know, we don't know what was understood as the cultural norms of the time. We have right. no idea, right? You right. know, historians, anthropologists, all the people, Bible scholars take best guess based on evidence, archaeology, all the things, but we really don't know. So we have to remember that when we read the Bible, that, that 
we are reading it in our modern day context and we aren't aware of the context that, uh, that it was written across times. Context matters. Context is kind of everything because if you don't take context into consideration, you entirely lose the meaning um, of, of what's, what's being attempted to be said and attempted to be, to be written. And it's, it's not okay to then apply a sort of literal approach in our modern day context <clears throat> when it would not have been a context that would have existed when it was written. So we don't know. We can, we can and, guess. As the saying goes, any text without a context is pretext for a proof text. Oh, nice. I haven't heard that. <clears throat> yep. Any text without a context is pretext for a proof text. Or any text without a context is just a con. Wait, no, that'd be context <clears throat> without a text. Never mind. I'll, I'll leave it to smarter people than I. But it's I like a good, say that it's again. A say, so any text without anytime. a context, mm -hmm. which is what you were saying, we, right. we always have to look at context, is a pretext right. or a proof text. For a proof text. Yeah. And a proof text is when people just lift something out and just make it mean whatever they want it to mean. Ah. So it's like, it's sort of like, I, I call it like Bible roulette. You know, you just you just thumb something like I want to and you see this a lot in daily devotional products where mm -hmm. there's this nice thing and then they want to put a piece of scripture. But so they find a sentence or two in scripture that's about joy, which might be the topic for the day. But if you actually took that one sentence and look at the context, it, right. it may not actually be joy. Um, yeah. That's proof texting. Proof texting. Gotcha. All right. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, so um, let's look at some of these passages and break them down. And um, they, like I said, there were there are about seven of them. I don't know if we're going to cover all of them, but I, we do want to start with the ones that, that, in my experience, and I think your experience, people, when I say people, I mean Christian literalists, anti-LGBTQ Christians, and non-Christians, by the way. And this yeah. is the other thing that gets me. Folks, folks who aren't uh, considering themselves Christian, they're not uh, Christian in practice, they, uh, but because they grew up in a culturally Christian uh, country yeah. or location, they, they still quote in the Bible, which I just find hilarious. Um, and I'm like, y'all don't see the irony in that, but you know, whatever. Um, the, the one that I think people refer to probably the most is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, we find this in Genesis chapter 19, and uh, briefly, the whole, the story is angels disguised as men uh, show up in the city of, of Sodom, and um, Lot decides to extend the hospitality and invites them into his house, as is written in the law, you know, uh, extend hospitality to the strangers. Uh, the story goes that there was this, this mob of people who turned up at his house and said, you know, send them out because we apparently want to have sexual relations with them is the interpretation of the story. And Lot decides, no. Hey, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. Wait, wait, <laughs> I got to just, uh, so I, I, uh, I mean, I know this isn't the point, but I'm like, so if I'm reading this, like, let's say I'm someone who uses this scripture to, to, you know, to beat up on on LGBTQ people. Okay, just that part. So this group of people surrounds the house, tell the men to come out because we want to have sex with them. Like yes. they skip over that part and get to like, uh -huh. how, like how does, I don't know. That just like, just stop there. So there's that. Um, reading from my favorite, the message Bible, it says, bring them out so we can have our sport with them. Yeah. <laughs> who knows who knows again what what that means because anyways um and but let's um sorry uh, keep going no 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 i was trying to i was trying to get a new uh 
the revised the revised standard version, which I think is what a lot of people. Um, well, use. that says bring them bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Right, um, or bring them out so we may know them is another way. So yes. So anyways, um, various interpretations. Lot decides. You know what? Nope. I'm gonna protect these strangers from you. Um, but instead, here have my have my two daughters, my two daughters, uh, who've who've never had sex with anybody. Um, here, take them instead. Um, which again. A really important part of the story that we don't hear a lot about. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, so, so whatever. Anyways, um, so the men decided, uh, nope, we, the, the mob decided we want the men. They break into the house. The angels reveal themselves, strike, strike the men blind. And then um, uh, later, um, you know, the, or, after this happens, the angels are like, you know, says the lot, get your family, get out of here. We're going to rain fire down on this place. We're going to destroy this place. When you're running, don't look back. Apparently, the wife looks back. She turns into a pillar of salt. That's the whole story with Lot's wife turning into salt. And the city is destroyed. And people tend to look at this and go, see, when you engage in homosexual behavior, God is going to destroy you like god destroyed sodom mm -hmm. so like they look to your point they lift one possible interpretation of this out of a whole litany of ours right and decide that's gonna be the issue now here's the interesting thing for those people who think they know the bible so well if they just read on a little bit to another I book in the <laughs> book of ezekiel well, wait, wait, wait. No, wait. no. Oh, sorry. If they, oh, no, just, if they just read on a couple more sentences, uh, okay. Lot, Lot, you know, so Lot is taking his family and run. The wife turns into the pillar of salt. Well, that night, Lot's daughters get him drunk so they can sleep with him. Again, litany of horrors. <laughs> but litany that's just a couple sentences later. Okay, on to Ezekiel. Horrors. Litany of horrors. Because because they're like, yeah, ain't nobody gonna want us now. So let's let's do this. Anyways, so um again, strange times, man, strange times. Um and then, or let me rephrase that, what we would call strange times, again, context. Um, it may not have been that unusual. Who knows? But again, also in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 16, verse 49. This was the sin of your sister Sodom. She did not support the poor and the needy. So the destruction of Solomon, uh, sorry, of Sodom was not just because of that one incident. The destruction of Sodom was the result of a litany of sins. Most, most, um, most notably, <laughs> The not welcoming strangers, the the not supporting those who were disenfranchised, those who were in need of community support, um, they they were looked down upon, scorned upon um, by by those who had. In other words, there was not compassion, there yeah. was not generosity, there was greed, there was selfishness, yeah. and again in the story. In the story, this is the thing that is highlighted, the lack of hospitality, because Lot extended hospitality, and the mob did not want to support that hospitality. Whatever it is they wanted to do with these men, whether it's a gang rape, whether it's just we going to beat the pulp out of them, whether it's who knows, for all the different reasons and translations of versions we have, there's no consistency in, in what that meant. But if you look at other Bible passages, you see that the consistency in Sodom was the lack of the lack of compassion for those who needed the most yeah the 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 radical hospitality exactly, exactly. lack of it or, um, or lack or lack thereof yes yeah. um and again read the bible so if you're gonna if you're gonna read the bible for the Sodom and Gomorrah story also read it for what Ezekiel said, right? Because again, very that that's very clear. 
yeah, this is this is this is what's wrong with the city. Um, there's no later mention of, you know, what's wrong with you is that there's supposedly homosexual people there. That's not that's not what the Bible says. So if you're gonna take the Bible, take the Bible uh, with that at least. Um, yep. So so yeah. So if anyone throws the Sodom and Gomorrah story at you, throw Ezekiel, Ezekiel, what's the freight? Oh my God, what's it? Ezekiel 16:49 at them um, as well. Um, or remind them that that's there. Um, all right. Um, what verse did you want to look at? Um, well, there's um, I think I think I wanna, I mean, we can kind of jump back and forth, I guess, between the the Hebrew scripture and the Christian scripture, but I think one sure. that gets used um, pretty frequently is, uh, is that Romans? <clears throat> um, no, Timothy. Nope, Romans, sorry. Um, the uh, Romans uh, 1 verses 25 to 27. Um, and, um, and it's used, it's just, it's not that long, but it's used um often as a meaning um you know it's what it says is for this reason god gave them over to dishonorable passions their females exchange natural intercourse for unnatural and in the same way also the males giving up natural intercourse with females were consumed with their passionate desires for one another males committed shameless acts with males and received in their own persons the due penalty for their error um so that's one of uh, one of the passages, the clobber passages that is uh, it, it is largely taken again the, the whole context, right? Um, so uh, it, it without it, it's lifted out of the context, and um, it's today this literal interpretation of what it means, but. Um, he's uh paul is paul is writing this um uh, he hadn't visited the people he's writing to um but um it's more of a um it's it's when you put it in the context it's it's really more about um at, at worshiping and acknowledging you know god the creator um and uh but it gets um the, the term, the natural use, you know, and so mm -hmm. people have interpreted that term natural use, meaning, you know, a penis fits better into a vagina, into a vagina than it does into any other openings. Um, but it, it, it ignores the, that there are not any injunctions uh, against heterosexual couples engaging in any other kind of, you know, like anal sex or, or oral sex or um, there's, or, um, older men with younger men, uh, there's just no, there's nothing in there um, that injunctions around that. And so this taking that term natural use, um, they, it's, that's, it's just narrowing it down to this very thing that, well, a penis fits better into a vagina than any other type of activity you know, sexual activity. Um, and the other part that Paul is uh, writing here is he, he's arguing from nature, so to speak, um, and what Paul and, thinks of his nature. Can I, can, I, can I just jump in there and not to, be, yeah. not to be overly graphic or crass, but no, penises do not always fit well into vaginas and sometimes they fit better into other places. Um, and yeah. that's all I want to say about that. Yes, as, a, <laughs> as, a, as a penis owner. As a penis owner, well, that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, as a vagina owner, I can <laughs> I can corroborate your evidence. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Let's let's just let's just put that there. Okay, continue. <laughs> Quick, Kelly, move. move on. Um, so that so that's the first problem is is taking that that again. That's the the context. You know, there's no context here, and so now we're into proof texting. <clears throat> the other is. Uh, the second problem is that Paul is arguing from nature. Um, you know, Paul thinks, uh, you know, nature. So what we think of today as culture, um, Paul would have thought of as nature, not like environment nature. But um, 
nature doesn't prove that same-sex relations are unnatural. So, mm -hmm. and today we would use the word culture. So, and culture doesn't prove that, you know, the same-sex relations or anything non-heterosexual relations is unnatural. Um, yeah. And uh, and I will say if, you know, if there's that idea of, um, you know, kind of with that is that, you know, why some people say same-sex relations are forbidden is because they can't increase the population. Well, um, given the issues we have today, isn't that a good thing? You know, it's a very like, good thing. It's a very, you know, we're very, already think, overpopulated. So there's yeah, no logical, there's nothing logical about that. We you are know, not having a problem. Yeah, we're not having a problem as a human species being fruitful and multiplying. No, no. Right. That, yeah, we've we've mastered that art. In fact, we're doing it too too well, um, as you alluded to. And the other piece of this is we also have to realize that same sex uh, relations and activities also exist outside of the human species, right? Yeah. There's over over a thousand animal species in which um, same sex, not just um, sexual acts, but relationships exist. Notably, uh, penguins, penguins form lifelong same-sex partnerships um, yeah. as an example um, is the only one that comes to mind right now but I mean you can google this so so same-sex partnerships relationships sexual activity is part of the natural world natural world um, and people tend to forget that now I remember um, quick segue when I uh, uh, was a guest speaker at the Pride Parade in Barbados a few years ago. And then I was on this um, super Christian radio show afterwards. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I was being basically bombarded with verses like these. And I brought up this point about um, same-sex coupling partnerships happening in the rest of the animal world. And we are part of the animal world. Their rebuttal was, was that we human beings, God created us It's the pinnacle of the species. And therefore we uh -huh. should know better. We know better because we can make a choice. The other animals were just acting on instinctive impulses and we know better. And I was like, have you met human beings? That's pretty right. much what we mostly do as well. We, yeah. we are also animals. We just happen to walk upright and figure out how to use our thumbs and we can write and speak and create things and, 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 sort of sort of in support of their point because we can you know their argument would be because of that we have gotten away from god and i would yeah. say yeah and because of that we we believe we've also gotten away from what is natural you're making the claim and and i would say anything in nature is of god and therefore right. um same sex couplings relationships inter uh, activity because it occurs so frequently in the natural animal kingdom of which we are a part, that is also of God. I can make that argument uh, for it. Well, 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 and, you know, we can make that same argument for, um, for this piece of this piece of this clobber passage, um, because he, his label contrary to nature is the same description that he uses later on in Romans uh, 11, chapter 11, verse 24, to talk about how Gentiles have been cut from, from what is by nature uh, a wild olive tree and grafted, um, you know, onto another one, which is contrary to nature. To So he's describing Gentiles have been cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree. They're grafted. That's contrary to nature. And yet, um, they're grafted to a, a cultivating olive tree and grow. And yet, even though there's this contrary to nature thing that he talks about, there he he's saying the Gentiles are in right relationship with God. So you don't get to have it both ways. But they're going to try, though. They're going to try. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we're going to call you out on it. We're going to call so you out on it. So it's just, yeah, it's just interesting. The the Again, the coming back to the context. Um, yeah. and the language being used and how it's being used and, 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 and you have to, to know, clear, sorry. Well, yeah. you just and have to, don't. you have to know where the things are. And most, that's the, one of the biggest problems with the Bible. It's like the most purchased book in the world and the least read. Well, not just, 
I don't know about the least read, but but the problem uh-huh. is the least understood because we don't know the context of that time. Like so very few people on this planet have the knowledge of here's what here's what the actual context of the time this stuff was written and what it might actually mean. And even among those scholars, there's disagreement or or um, I would say lack of consensus, not necessarily yeah. disagreement as argument, but like, you know, we don't know. It could be this. It could also be this. It might be this. Well, I will say that that's true. There's not like complete agreement or consensus. However, I will say over the decades, you know, the more and more <clears throat> that we gain access to, you know, these biblical scholars, there is certainly more agreement around what we're saying than what um you know say far right or even those that are uh homophobic and anti-lgbtq and using these you know scripture to make a case for why it's wrong anything other than heterosexual like non-heterosexual is just wrong and yet more and more the the camp of scholars and whether it's around language or cultural cultural anthropology or, you know, history, geology, the, what, you know, pick the discipline. Um, more and more, there's agreement of what we're saying. And yet there's still, you know, there's always never complete agreement, but that pool is actually growing, but we don't hear about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, let's look at another verse, um, also by Paul. Um, this is First Corinthians uh, chapter six, verses nine and ten. I'm going to read this from uh, the New International Version. That's another popular version of the Bible that a lot of people use. Um, and this one goes: um, uh, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a that's a long list there. That, that. Yeah, well, I'm thinking like Republican Party. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> send, your, send your letters to <laughs> Kelly at projectsanctus.org. You know what's also fascinating? What is the also Freedom fasc- Caucus, maybe I'll say. <clears throat> What is also fascinating, and and I'm gonna and I and I borrow this from my uh, pop theology co-host uh, um, Shannon Weston, who says, yeah, the Bible speaks out, oh, supposedly speaks out a lot against men having sex with men, but not so much about women having sex with women. So lesbians, you're in the clear. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> I was like, yep. Yep, there's 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 that. There's there's the might be the one good thing Bible did for women. Um, but um, but I also interestingly enough want to, to give you an example. Uh, read this from the new revised standard version. Um, updated. This is the updated new revised standard version. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, men who engage in illicit sex. Notice how it went from men who have sex with men to men who engage in illicit sex, which means what now exactly? Uh, Thieves, the greedy drunkards, revilers. Um, Was that revelers? No, revilers. Is that revelers? No, revilers. Revilers. What are we reviling? Swindlers. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. With, I mean, we don't even get in a whole discussion of what the kingdom of God means, but regardless, um, notice how from translation to translation, things change, right? Yep. Because if the only exposure of the Bible I have is to the new revised standard version, and I read men who engage in illicit sex, I'm also, I'm thinking prostitution. I'm thinking paying for sex. I'm thinking, you, you know, if there's a law against sex, I'm breaking that law, which could be a wide range of things. It's not telling me specifically homosexual sex. So again, yeah. just an example of how version to version, whole, whole different thing. Now, the issue with this verse is um, when, you look at, when you look at the Greek words that are being used, this is where the confusion and the uncertainty is happening. 
um, because we have words like uh, pornoi, which we get the word uh, pornography from. We have words like malakoi, arsenokotoi. I don't know, my Greek is not great. Here's the problem with a lot of these words. We don't exactly know what they mean per se and how they apply in this context. So, so, so translations for the word malakoi, for example, or male prostitutes, effeminate, homosexuals, sexual perverts, those who make women of themselves. In Greek, um, the, the malakos comes, it means, it means soft, which as best understood in that time of that context meant men who didn't do a lot of quote unquote, masculine, physical, rugged things. These were yeah. the, these were the, you know, the men who read books, the librarians, the, the, the potters, these were not the men who went out and killed other men in war and battle and were physically fit. For me, this implies people who may, what we will call today, not able-bodied. I don't know. So, so yeah. who, who, right. So it, it could mean a lot of things. Um, the word arsenic, arsenic. Well, so hold on, hold on one second. Oh, wait, before sorry. You- Man, yeah, go before ahead. you go, so that the, the malakos, which means in Greek means soft, is mm-hmm. also, you know, again, context. It I think it says more about gender roles uh, than, yeah, that, than anything else. So, that's you know, if some if a man is soft, there's it's it, you know, a man that's more passive or more um engaging in activities that might have generally been for women roles, um, which doesn't mean anything other than the expected male roles of like you were talking about of of war and the physicality. Yeah. What's interesting is, let's not forget those gender assignments, those gender roles change so much over time, right? So meal prep, I, I use example, meal preparation, um, yeah. A task that was historically often assigned to women, and in many ways, in our modern times, especially in your your households, it still is right. The the the, the woman's place is in the kitchen. You hear people say, um, and 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 women take on sometimes voluntarily or involuntarily this burden of I have to prepare the meals for the family. Yet, yet. When we look at the world of celebrity cooks and chefs, yeah, predominantly male. Yes, absolutely. Right, you know, you go to the you, you. So, so it's it's weird how we assign and delineate these these gender roles and 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 what's okay and what's not okay. And again, it's it's cultural. As to go back to what we're saying in the beginning, it changes over time. We determine what it is. Uh, so, so it's not like these are fixed roles. No, we determine the gender roles and then we assign people based on those roles. Uh, again, sort of like race, not real things, but we treat them as if they are real. Um, so the other, the other word, arsenok, uh, help me with this word, arsenok. Arsenok, yeah. What she said. Um, it's, <laughs> it's combining, it's combining, combining two words, arson, uh, meaning male and, and coita, which comes is like the English coitus, but it comes from a Greek word for bed. So it's basically, it's often translated as perverts or, but it could refer to pimps or procures as in those who put people in men's beds for sexual gratification. It can mean a lot of things, but I think the, the gist of it is that we have to remember that, um, we don't know exactly who Paul was speaking about when he said yeah. this, right? So, but fast forward somehow because of translations and desire to weaponize, it becomes, a, oh, he's speaking out against homosexuality writ large. A lot of these verses are really speaking out to abuses of sexual power, um, um, whether it's whether it's it's rape, whether it's... Um, people in in positions of authority taking advantage of those who are not you can you can you can see where those make more sense we can't make the argument that it's speaking out against a consensual relationship between two adults of the same sex 
um, whether they're in a loving monogamous cohabitation relationship or whether they're just hooking up for sex. The point is we, we can't, that none, of, none of this speaks to that. Because when you look at all these examples, there's usually always some sort of like power imbalance involved right. um, and, and, and abuse evolved. And, and I think that's what most of these verses uh, speak to. But again, over time, lost in translations. By the way, by the way, um, one of the major sources we're using for this information is a biblical uh, scholar, uh, Amy Jill Levine or Levine. Yeah. I'm not Levine. pronounce that properly. Levine. Amy Jill Levine. Um, Amy Jill Levine. She's the Rabbi Stanley M. Kessler Distinguished Professor of New Testament and Jewish Studies at Hartford uh, International University for Religion and Peace. She is University Professor of New Testament Studies Emerita. The Mary Jane Worthen Professor of Jewish Studies, also emerita at the Vanderbilt Divinity School, Graduate Department of Religion and Department of Jewish Studies. So she knows her stuff. Um, She's my go-to gal. There um, you go. And I, I, and I, I use put, a lot sorry. of her material in uh, any class I teach on Bible. I use yep. uh, especially Jesus. She's a she's a Jesus expert. Um, so I put the I put in our in our Facebook. On our Facebook live stream post, I put uh, the link for this. You can go check it out. Um, it'll also be in the podcast show notes, um, wherever you're listening to this um, platform you're listening to. Um, I'll put the link in for that. Note to self, Ogan, put article link in show yeah. notes. <laughs> she's got a whole, she's got a lot of books. And of um, yeah. Yeah. And they're just phenomenal. But um, um, and, and again, she's, I mean, so many biblical scholars um, write similarly uh, to this uh, effect as well. Um, so one of the things I always say to Christian folk who are very much intent on reading the Bible and taking what it says, you know, literally is um, it's good to know what's in the Bible. I believe it's better to know about the Bible um, because when we learn about the Bible, it truly informs in a much more appropriate way what's in the bible so well, read some bible again, read some bible scholarship for the love of god right. <laughs> no pun intended well, yeah well no pun intended yes yeah well it's also the the what amy jill levine and and other good biblical scholars do like a bart ehrman is they give you the context right they give you the context and those two, Amy Jill Levine and I mentioned Bart Ehrman, and there's a whole bunch of other, you know, wonderful biblical scholars. But I mean, I just mentioned those two because I know that, and you and I are doing it now. We like we bring our own lived experience, and we're looking at it, you know, through our own lens and trying to deconstruct and and even decolonize, right? To tease out <clears throat> um, what might be the message in here. And those two people are, I think do a really, really good job of coming, you know, what they bring to the world in terms of knowledge, of course, through their own lens, but yet I find them very, uh, I'm not sure, I don't want to necessarily say neutral, but but without a huge amount of, they're, they're willing to just keep asking the question, like keep asking, here's what we know so far, and here's what I would be comfortable saying, and here's you know, this word in Greek meant this, but it also meant that. And then you put these two words, you know, and they'll they'll say, here's what this probably meant. Here's where the confusion can come from. And both of them do a really good job about that, um, especially in when it comes to Jesus and yeah. Jesus teachings, because Jesus didn't teach anything about homosexuality is bad. Correct. As far as we know, based on the write-ins by the people who never actually heard him speak. Right. We, we have to remember that uh, the Gospels, uh, those authors weren't there. So, you know, third-hand information. I do want to also recommend a, uh, a podcast, another podcast as a resource. Um, this one is called Queer Theology. And uh, basically these folks take, you know, Bible passages. Um, these, are, these are queer uh, clergy and scholars. And every week they, they look at they have a guest on, but mostly they look at Bible passages and um, and approach them from through a queer lens. My favorite recently, they did a whole series where they went through uh, the book of Galatians, basically chapter by chapter. But before mm. they started this, they had a whole episode entitled, What's the Deal with Paul? 
which I oh yeah hilarious yeah. because 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 yeah. this is the other piece right this is the other piece when we read these these epistles and these letters that you know paul wrote or attributed to paul but you also have to understand the context of paul himself right, right? because because right. as i like to tell people this ain't christianity be doing folks it's polyanity so yes. you have to you when, when you have that context piece as well about paul and his journey and his struggles and his point and, and kind of his point of view as far as we know historically it puts a lot of these writings in a different light um and and we're not going to go down the whole bible podcast route here that's not what we're about but 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 this is also a call to not abandon the bible wholesale because i know for many people especially those who may have left evangelical or mainstream christianity they they abandon the bible and they're like you know Bible's wrong. We're not going to read the Bible and we shouldn't pay attention to people who do as well. And I want to say, just like any other scripture from any other religion or any other theology, um, it th there are some, I guess, perennial eternal wisdoms in there. And you got to know how to read it, right? It's like you need a, you need a, not a translator. What's the word I want? You have, you have, you have the thing and then you have like the, the, the not the codex what's the word i want like the key the 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 key code the translator code, the trans short sure, let's go the with translator secret decoder ring the secret decoder ring <laughs> like you just can't read the thing in of it itself there's there's yeah. a much bigger context around yeah. the bible time place the 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 people the author oh, their God, the author, right? So yeah. you have to take all those things into consideration to get a more accurate picture of what you're reading. And then even when you take all of that into consideration, you're still not going to land on it exactly because there's going to be more unanswered questions and answered questions. So, so this is also an invitation to like, you know, maybe, maybe revisit the Bible, but from a much newer lens. Anytime yeah. Reverend Kelly's teaching a Bible class, go go jump in there and prepare to have your mind blown. Uh, <laughs> you know, go go read Yay. some stuff by yeah. by uh, you know by Bart Ehrman and by Joe Levine. Like, don't you know if you're gonna if you're gonna read the Bhagavad Gita, if you're gonna read the Tao Te Ching, also read the Bible and but read it in the with the appropriate lens on and not just um try to look at it literally and understand it yourself that's that's not going to end well well i think that one of the things too is is not to forget that if if you believe in god um and and reading the bible and and scripture um is important to you for the most part you know god is who from genesis to revelation you know god is who people said god was and it's such a tiny snapshot of time when you consider humanity. Yes. Yeah. And right. for the most part, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, for the, for the most part, God is really transcends gender roles, really, you know, transcends everyone's. Everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're kind of humans. We were designed not to be alone. So why yes. would we condemn people that are, you know, or why would we make this small little box for what it means to be together, meaning, you know, heterosexual, you know, man and a woman, period. Um, if we're, if we know and we're designed not to be alone. So why would we condemn people to, to a life of, you know, being alone? Um, and how, and how do we know that we were not meant to be alone? It's in the Bible. That's right. That's right. It's in the Bible. But, yeah. Again, the again. Uh, context. Context matters. context matters. Any text without um, context is a pre pretext for proof texting. Yeah, I'm going to get that wrong. I'm pretty You'll sure. You'll get it. I, I admire your faith in me. Thank you. Um, I do, on a set of most serious note, though, also kind of offer an apology to, to any queer person who's had their very existence belittled, attacked, demonized by people wielding these verses. That's no, nobody needs to 
experience that and the it and I offer them an apology from a place of a person who used to do that. Uh, my upbringing was very evangelical, very homophobic, very weaponizing the Bible. Um, so I've, I've done that myself. And like most people, when you get to know people who belong to the group that you are trying to hate and otherize, it can change your minds and your views as well. Um, I want to say that I'm having this interesting back and forth on Instagram around drag queens with some person. And normally I don't engage. I'm of that camp of don't read the comments, but, but this is a person who, this is a person who we've had some back and forth before, and they're not a hostile, aggressive attacking person. So I don't mind engaging with someone who can be at the very least civil, but we were going back and forth on this, on this, thing around drag queens and they compared it to minstrel street uh, min- minstrel minstrelsy and they were like would you consider that an artistic expression i'm like please let's not engage in this whataboutism and minstrelsy was like a total like appropriation um and and also demeaning of an entire race of people who were seen as less than human and i don't think drag is doing that well not yeah. that i don't think i know drag's not doing that so you know um that's just what i was said but I just finally asked this person and I'm waiting back for an answer. Do you actually know anyone who expresses themselves through drag? Have you ever been to a drag show? Because often people who want to otherize other people don't know people who belong to that, right. to that, to that group. Because when you do, as we've been highlighting and pointing out all this month, you realize we're just, we're talking about people here. Yep. We're talking about people, lives. We're we're talking about folks that that have similar fears, that have similar needs, similar challenges, that that want to just earn a good living, that want to have a family, that want to love and be loved, like those common human traits. Not want to be alone, like you mentioned. And when we when we get to know the thing that we are told we should be afraid of and hate. More often than not, that fear and hate disappears because yep. again, it's we 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 see them heart to heart for who they are. So um, I want to put that out there too on the on the tail end of of the of the I'm sorry that that you didn't that you had to go through that and and offer a ray of hope um, in that knowing that more and more Christians and Christian denominations are supportive. Uh, of who you are and see you uh, for who you are. Um, recently, it was in the Portland Pride Parade, and so many churches and denominations were were represented. And um, and as we were marching down, uh, you know, the parade and and uh, uh, the spectators, straight folk, queer folk, all kind of folk who are watching us are cheering us on, um, realizing that that yes, it's important that as as church and spiritual communities that that. We, we support and when we say we are welcoming to truly mean that and not just right. welcome into the point where we're comfortable <laughs> but, right. but, right. but welcoming even for for the folk who may challenge us in ways that we don't know there's very often the return to you know the those kind of foundational the touchstone of like love your neighbor and love your stranger and anything that prevents that, anything that gets in the way of that needs to be questioned, um, if not just outright eliminated. So the discussion we're having is, it's not just about having a discussion or or even the debating, well, you know, the different interpretations, because as you said, lives depend on how we choose to read this. Like yeah. really, really, lives yes. depend. And yes. like you, I, you know, heartfelt apology for anyone, any, anyone in a position of, you know, religious leadership has, you know, says that you don't matter or, yeah. or that, that you're, you're not enough, you know, and that you don't belong or you can't be authentically who you are and that you're welcome here if you keep your, your sexuality or, or anything outside this little box of norm, like keep that hidden. Yeah, deeply apologetic for the religious abuse and the spiritual abuse. And the truth really does set us free. It um, does. And it does. The, the truth of that, you know, love your neighbor and love a stranger and do exactly what you said. Do you even know somebody 
and to question what you think you know, question what you think you believe, and that not everything is as you think it is in terms of the Bible. Exactly. So if you know some folks who are Bible literalists, maybe sneak them this episode. I don't know. They may listen. They may not. But, you know, we, 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 we went to the Bible. Um, you, can, you can do that. Um, so I do want to thank you in advance for sharing our podcast. Uh, again, we're on all the podcast platforms. I'm wrapping up. Can I wrap up? Is it yeah. time to wrap up? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just checking. Just checking. I didn't yes. formally yes. say we were. And we were off script such a long time ago. I don't know what's going on. Did we have a script? <laughs> Touche, touche. Um, so <laughs> yes, we're on all the podcast platforms. And if you have that person in your life that doesn't know what a podcast is, you can find us on the old school interwebs at withloveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. Visit projectsanctus.com to see all the activities we have coming up and to make a no d- donation to keep the train running. Please join us for a book study. This here flesh, this is actually going to be a good book for the folks who love the Bible as well. Um, mm-hmm. cause she does, she does, a, she does a lot of Bible references mm-hmm. and they're just, they're just beautiful in the way she writes them again, Thursdays, July 13th, August 10th, 730 to 930 PM. I think that's all we got. So until we meet again, let's get our holy on. 